Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. I know a lot of you know that I am an Ohio boy. I bleed Buckeye juice. And now I live in Arizona. And Arizona is a really, really red state. And as you all know, we are going through the process of counting the presidential election votes once again by a company that has nothing to do with voting or the voting agenda whatsoever. They are merely Trump's people. And he's trying to find any way whatsoever to get back in office. But that will never happen because the people that dislike Trump and the policies that he brought into the White House far outnumber his supporters. This was proven by the election itself. So I say, let them count. Let them count till their mind goes bonkers. And if they come up with some crazy summary stating that Trump won Arizona, who cares? Nothing's going to change. You see, the problem is they cannot accept defeat. So they're trying to stop people from voting by changing all these laws. If you've noticed in the predominantly southern states, to keep people from coming out to vote because people came out to vote in groves to get Trump out of the White House. And they will do it again now that they see that the South is trying to rebirth the Jim Crow era. So with that being said, Let's slip into a little darkness. Today, the sage and the sandstone of Wyoming's vast red desert show little evidence of the coal mining town of Dana, which once stood about 150 miles west of Cheyenne. No photos of Dana have ever been found, but in 1890, it probably looked much like southwestern Wyoming's other Union Pacific Coal Company towns. A few boarding houses, a company contracted general store, and just enough basic amenities to keep the town functioning. The main feature likely would have been the tipple where coal was processed. Although largely forgotten, Dana was once home to a significant population of black miners originally recruited by a well-known Washington state politician and community leader, James E. Shepardson. In 1890, the Union Pacific Company hired Shepardson to recruit the first black miners specifically enlisted to work in the company's Wyoming mines. He was a black man who had migrated from Virginia 
to Roslyn, Washington, where he led the charge to bring more black citizens to town. Working for the Northern Pacific Railway, he brought roughly 300 miners to Roslyn, where they forged a strong community. Shepperson had made a name for himself as a successful recruiter of black miners, and so the Union Pacific Company hired him to bring workers to Dana in early February 1890. About 200 black miners from the Ohio area, accompanied by their families, stepped off a train in Dana. Completely unaware that the company wanted to use them as strike breakers. Recruiting laborers for the coal mines and fighting labor organizers was nothing new for the United Pacific Coal Company. As coal production grew in the late 1800s, company officials, like all good industrialists, focused on profits. They did this by hiring laborers from impoverished areas, primarily in Europe and Asia. People they could entice with promises of riches, land, or at least opportunities. These recruitment practices inadvertently created some of the most ethnically diverse communities in the region. In the early days, the company which owned and assigned all workers housing routinely integrated neighborhoods. And the thinking of this was that if members of a Pacific ethnic group were not housed together, they would be less likely to form unions. And there were some exceptions to this company rule. Native Americans weren't sought out at all, and company bosses saw Chinese, Japanese, and Korean workers as simply too difficult from other groups to integrate. Though the fight for workers' rights went on for decades, in the long run, the company's tactics failed as unions such as the Knights of Labor became even more integrated and influential. In a time of intense labor disputes, strike breakers were met with scorn and sometimes violence, particularly when they were members of an already disparaged ethnic group. Moreover, according to newspaper accounts, the black miners in Dana were union men themselves. Because of this, they refused to upsurge striking brothers, the white miners they were brought in to replace. By this time, the whole affair was making headlines, and the company needed a cover story. So, whether through miscommunication, deliberate misrepresentation, or outright company duplicity, Shepherdson became an easy scapegoat. Most of Shepherdson's recruits stayed on at the Dana Mine after their insistence on a fair wage helped influence legislation regulating 
how coal was weighed, and thus how much miners were paid, effectively ended the strike. As for the town of Dana, it was one of only two Wyoming communities to ever have a majority black population, but it was short-lived. In 1891, due to the inferior quality of its coal, the Union Pacific Company closed the mine, and many of Dana's coal miners moved to nearby Wyoming coal towns. By the 1920s, places like Rock Springs and Hannah had thriving black communities. When coal production decreased in the 1940s and 1950s, many of their descendants left for areas that offered more opportunity, such as Denver. As a result, the role of black residents in the story of these early coal towns has often been skewed or forgotten altogether. One night soon after he arrived, Shepherdson found himself in a dark, freezing barn, hiding from his own recruits. Company officials had told the newspapers that Shepherdson was solely to blame for misleading the black miners about their status as strike breakers. He was threatened, detained, and questioned, but the details of that night are lost. Somehow, However, Shepherdson escaped and resumed his life in Washington, where he was known as an honest man who worked to strengthen the black community in Roslyn. Among his many other accomplishments, he was a founder of the Black Masonic Lodge and president of the Washington State Colored Republican Club. He remained prominent in Roslyn until his death in 1934 and is now remembered as one of the most influential black mining leaders during this time. Now, friends, whether Shepherdson deliberately recruited the Dana miners as strike breakers will probably never be known. He certainly realized that the men would already face challenges wherever they went in the U.S. due to the color of their skin. Companies that brought workers across the ocean didn't recruit experienced black miners from just a few states away until the era of the fight for workers' rights. But the West, despite these barriers, still offered black miners a chance at prosperity and people like Shepherdson made it happen. So there you have it, my friends. A little-known knowledge of Wyoming's black coal miners and how they shaped their own history and how many early Wyoming coal towns had thriving black communities. I know that music is not my regular exit music, but it has the same meaning. I must leave you for today. But before I do, I want to leave you with a little message. A 
A wise man can play the part of a clown, but a clown can never play the part of a wise man. Until next time, my friends, it has been my honor.